Good morning, and welcome to episode 278 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined as always by Sam Miller. We hope you had a nice long weekend and survived your Monday without us. Uh, our guest today is Chris Cotillo from MLBDailyDish.com, which is part of the SB Nation network. Uh, and I've been looking forward to talking to Chris for a while because I think he has a very interesting and impressive story. And I told Sam that we would either have to have him on the podcast or just make a movie about him, possibly. <laughs> so we'll start with the podcast and we'll we'll talk about the movie off air. Uh, so, Chris, uh, you were the first to report the Indians' interest in Jason Kubel last week. Uh, mm -hmm. They ended up acquiring him, of course. And before that, you had reported a, a pretty steady stream, it seems like, of, of rumors and transactions throughout the summer. Um, you are also a high school student, <laughs> so that's right. So take us through uh, how and and when you got started as a as a writer and and as a reporter and how you ended up where you are. Um, it's it's been an interesting journey. I mean, a couple I years ago, <laughs> I started a, an anonymous Twitter account uh, with the handle at Trade Deadliner, and it started as just a hobby of me reporting and parroting what all the other reporters were saying so it was just constant stream of baseball news and rumors and just on twitter without any kind of writing mm -hmm. um like long form attached to it uh -huh. so after a while i noticed you know all these guys like rosenthal Heyman, only i looked up to them and thought you know they have these great contact lists and they can report anything before anyone else but with social media and all the technology that i have available to me right now i can get those stories and I can try to start and I mean it's not going to hurt to try so after a while I've tried you know establishing different contacts and throughout the game and I've had people who've been very generous to me with helping me out and the hobbies kind of turned into what I expect to be a career which has been really really great for me so uh what kind of what kind of following did you get for your your original Twitter account then when you were just kind of re repeating other people's stuff it was a pretty good following. I mean, I started it out kind of as I just expected uh, myself to be the only one looking at it and kind of a tracker for myself because uh -huh. growing up when I was little, I always expected it to be Excel. I always had Excel spreadsheets for every move that went on. <laughs> and even when I was, I mean, I remember being six years old and sitting in my room and I'd print off the papers with team logos on it and post them behind me on the wall and do mock press conferences with, with <laughs> I mean, my stuffed animals at that point. So, oh, wow. and then, so it's, it became kind of a, a couple thousand followers with that. And then I attached my name to it and changed the handle uh -huh. once I became uh, associated with MLB daily dish. And we've kind of started building a brand around uh, away from, I mean, SB nation is obviously known for the fan blogging kind of thing, but my goal is to try to bring, the news and kind of original reporting to that and with what I do with MLB Daily Dish. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so there have been people who have started these sort of anonymous accounts and passed right. themselves off as insiders and kind of, mm -hmm. I don't know, made stuff up or, or just kind of rephrased things that other people said and, and somehow gotten a pretty good following doing that without any, you know, genuine context or, or any actual information. So how did, right. how do you go, I mean, without any, without specifics or giving away anything, how do you go from being a, a complete outsider who's just reading other people's reports and, and repeating them 
to developing your own network of, of sources and, and being able to get that information first. I mean, I still I deal with that kind of criticism because people still associate me with the accounts, like whatever it was, MLB right. Inside News right, right. that would make would make up stuff a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. pass off as insiders. And people see me and my profile picture and my age and think there's no <laughs> way this kid has any kind of inside information. But I mean, I've been able to use Twitter and Facebook and you know just looking up phone numbers and emails. And I, I make a lot of calls and I make a lot of attempts at information and it's not like I can pick up my phone and call Cashman or Charrington or any of these guys and say, what's going on with this move? So I have to try to be creative with different things that I do. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's not always the people you would think would be the sources within the game who sometimes have the best information. So I've been able to kind of utilize those through you know, technology and social media and then also some connections that I've made at different events throughout Boston. And I'll be at the winter meetings this December, which will be a really cool experience and hopefully a big networking one for me so mm-hmm. so so uh, i mean I, we i know you don't want to give away secrets and we don't want you to give away secrets and and mm-hmm. and so i'm going to i'm going to sort of ask this and i don't know if if there's anything you can you can say but i mean like i it's really hard to get information out of people i mean it's hard to get people to return your calls it's it's always hard to get people to return your calls and particularly Definitely. if if you're not you know if you're not credentialed if you're not uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a known name and all these sorts of things. Is there, can you describe any like particular instance where you used either social media or just any kind of creative means of, of getting somebody to like tell you something? Cause I genuinely, I mean, Ben and I, Ben, I can tell you right now, Ben is giddy doing this conversation <laughs> because for the last like two months, he is just Every couple of days, he, he sends me a note like, how does he get this? Like, how, are, how is he breaking news? Um, like, I genuinely don't know how even, like, the established guys do it. And no, that's, it's amazing what they do. So I'm, in my mind, I'm imagining, like, how you're doing it, and I'm completely coming up blank. Like, my brain just will not even create a <laughs> mental image. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's different. I mean, I try to avoid telling people how old I am because then they think <laughs> I'm some blogger who is, you know, that doesn't know anything because people are biased about age and maturity and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, um, I, I use, without getting too specific, I mean, Twitter is where I started and people, important people would follow that account when it was anonymous news and that gives you the ability to direct message them through Twitter. If they follow, you can direct message them, obviously. So that's how I've really gotten to talk to a lot of people. And then, I mean, I think word of mouth travels throughout the game. Like, this is someone who actually has connections, and he might be able to help you out. And you find with sources that two-way information sharing is the most important thing. So, I mean, if I'm talking to an agent, I'm not going to expect that he's just going to feed me this information for free. I mean, everybody's going to want something out of everybody all the time. So I've learned that and trying to talk to different people you know, trying to almost be like a matchmaker, try to be a matchmaker a little bit between player and team or agent and team and say, you know, this team has a need. You're a free agent who could fill that need. You ever consider going to them? And, you know, if you're open and just have conversations with these people, then they're they're willing to give you information in the long run. Uh, so what do you remember what the first kind of reported story that you had was or what's the what's the first time yeah. that you that you used this source to get something first it was um 
Russ Kanzler being claimed off ah. waivers by the Orioles and <laughs> over the winter. And so, I mean, there's, yeah. Well, kind of got to start somewhere. A, <laughs> that, one, that one went on the fridge immediately. But, you know, I mean, it's obviously I'm not going to start by breaking massive stories. So you have to kind of work your way up and then people see that there's credibility there. And so it doesn't matter if you're right on a double A signing or Cano signing this winter, you're right, regardless of what it is. And people notice that and um, are willing to give you information based on, you know, what they assume your contact list looks like. So would you say that Kubel was the, the biggest thing you've had so far? It, it was definitely up there. I mean, I had Giovanni Gallardo's no trade list earlier uh-huh. in the summer, uh-huh. which uh, was pretty good, I thought. And um, there's been a couple others. Um, I had part of the return in the Nolasco deal, which is, mm-hmm. which was, um, I was proud of myself to get that one. Cause you know, as soon as everybody says, you know, Nolasco is going to the Dodgers, you know, and there's three pitching prospects going back or whatever it was, you know, everybody, Heyman Rosenthal only, all these guys are all going after that bit of information. So mm-hmm. it's this mad rush for about five minutes where, and if you, if you're the be- if you're the first to get it, then it's, it's a good feeling. So what what has the response been, if any, from those big name guys in the industry? I saw that that Rosenthal tweeted the other day and gave you credit for being the, mm-hmm. the first on the Kubel trade, which has to feel pretty good for you. Does, um, yeah. So have you found that they are uh, are they very willing to to give you credit where it's due? Have you had to kind of push it all to to get credit for the things that you've reported first, or have you found that? that they're very accepting of a, a new person kind of coming into the, the fraternity. It's, I mean, it's, it depends on the situation before when it was at first with, with stuff like the Kanzler deal and whatever, I had to email different beat writers or teams and say, you know, actually I saw your report and I'd like to just respectfully say that I had this before you. And then mm-hmm. they would usually tweet Chris Cotillo had it first uh-huh. and that would provide a link, which would drive up my following when people see that. And so, Eventually, um, when people follow me, uh, Heyman has been following me for a while, and Ken Rosenthal just followed me today, which was a big, well, I thought it was a big accomplishment because he is who, mm-hmm. him and John Heyman are the two who I think are the best at what they do in the insider kind of thing nationally. Mm-hmm. So when they follow, they they can see my work, and they're very quick to give credit, and everybody's been great about that. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, how... How how stressful is it for you after you post something, waiting to see whether it either comes true or uh, you know passes the sort of time period it needs to to not be debunked? Like, are you are you always, especially given how much kind of BS is out there in terms right. of uh, like being not not just being reported but being passed to to reporters for you know whatever reason? How mm-hmm. nervous are you that you're going to break the Cano story? Uh, you know, in in late November, and it's going to turn out to be wrong. You know what I mean? I mean, it depends on the source. As I said, I've gotten creative with stuff, so there's some times where I get a, hey, I think I heard this, which at that point I have to be careful with my wording so I can have some backup if it goes wrong. But if it's someone who I know is directly in the know, then I, I feel pretty safe about it. And at first, I remember the Kanzler thing was my first scoop. You know, I just... I remember getting the text from the source, tweeting it, and then just pacing around the house waiting for someone out of Baltimore to confirm it. Like just because it's it's nerve wracking because one wrong thing and you people, I mean, are going to be 
people always are eager to jump on me because they're waiting to pr- there's some people out there who always want to prove you wrong and especially when you're 17 and kind of not expected to do this kind of thing people are even more willing to you know try to ruin you kind of so it's it's nerve-wracking but it's gotten less nerve-wracking based on who the source is and as time has passed mm-hmm. you know knowing that my information is coming from good places have you have you have you gotten any information passed along to you that you uh, suspected was not true? That was for some reason or another somebody had an interest in getting that information out there, but that you didn't believe was true, or is that stuff mainly going to uh, <laughs> to to I don't know Heyman or Rosenthal or whoever at this point? I mean, you can tell when you get a text from an agent or a player who has been released by a double A team with you know a certain low batting average that says, you know, he has interest from six teams We're working on making a decision. You kind of know, you know, based on just facts that some of that stuff is just to drive up interest or, and hopefully, you know, drive up price tag when I start speaking to people about major league free agents. So there is, so what, what, yeah, what do you do? What do you do in that case? I kind of report it, but you have to be extremely careful about the wording because, you know, you have to say, there's, I try to use things like hearing whispers that instead of a source is telling me because whispers, I mean, it's kind of an ambiguous definition with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I don't want to, to, to dwell on your age too much because I feel like, because, <laughs> you know, I feel like the, oh, pe- the word... people do it all the time. It's fine. Yeah. I <laughs> this mean... is coming. This is coming, by the way, from our 19 and a half year old editor in chief. <laughs> right. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. You, you make me feel ancient. Um, so, so. I mean, the work stands for itself and would be impressive at, at any age to, to go right. from, from, you know, having no connections to reporting things so quickly. And and on the Internet, uh, you know, the work sort of speaks for itself and no one knows how old you are unless you, you make your picture, your Twitter avatar, which you did. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, but so how does this work from a, a lifestyle perspective is what I wonder, because, you know, this is a around the clock thing for for the big guys in the industry i mean they're mm-hmm. they're up in the middle of the night tweeting stuff and texting people and right. how do you how does that work with you know the the obligations of a, a high school student i mean it's tough and it's been tough i mean i started school last wednesday so it's it's going to be an interesting winter it's senior <laughs> year though so it's, it's not supposed to be too hard that's what they tell me uh-huh. but i mean it's going to be a stressful few months applying to colleges and trying to do all the writing stuff and all the schoolwork and trying to maintain some semblance of a social life mm-hmm. which i mean people kind of my following expect that i'm going to be on this all the time but mm-hmm. i've had other reporters and people tell me you know this is supposed to be the time of your life you got to enjoy it and so i'm trying to do that too but if i'm in the middle of class and I get a text about an important thing, the teachers will always, you know, you know, there's no phones in class, right? And I'm like, you know, I, you know, I have to beat Rosenthal at this one, right? So it's kind of, it's an, it's an interesting kind of balance, but I'm trying to get to where I can try to do it all. Uh-huh. And that means about four hours per, of sleep per night. So, And what do your, what do your friends if you think about this, I mean, they must be reading your work and, and impressed by this sort of thing, I would think. If yeah, I mean, it's 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 good because, I mean, a lot of kids, you know, can shine on the athletic field in school and see that all, you know, and everybody is in the stands cheering them on. 
And so I've kind of always been the kid that was, you know, cut from baseball teams as I grew up and wasn't the most athletically talented. So to find my kind of my calling this early when, you know, all the kids who beat me at all these sports can see it, it kind of feels good sometimes. And everybody's recognized it. And the funny thing is teachers actually are okay with the phone thing in class because they know that I'm not, you know, texting someone across the room. They know that I'm, I'm trying to advance my career. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? You're serious? Like your teachers actually let you do this from class? Like they give you leeway to do this from class? Yeah. I mean, I just started this year, so it's all about trying to feel out which teachers will be most difficult about it. Wow. So when, I, when I'm sitting in journalism or newspaper production class, I'm thinking, you know what, this this is going to be fine. She's going to understand. But if I'm sitting in, you know, different classes with teachers who you just know are not baseball fans and, you know, they're very focused on their subjects, it's going to be different. But, I've, I mean, I've gotten up from classes. I've raised my hand. Then you know they think I have a question. I say, "What's up, Chris? Can I go to the library? Cody Epley just signed with the Twins." <laughs> <laughs> actually, I mean that's a true story. And my teacher was really cool with that one. He actually he follows me on Twitter and keeps up with my work. And so he um, he said, "Yeah, you know what? Go for it." <laughs> so got to go down and write it, and it's it's been interesting. But um, are, it, okay. are you gonna are you planning on going to the winter meetings? Yes, I am. We booked the flights last week, but um, I'm still going to work on getting, I haven't obviously gotten the media credential for that yet, which is something I'm going to definitely have to work on. And um, we're kind of making a family vacation out of it, too, because it's at Disney, so we'll keep my little sister and parents occupied while I go network in the two hotels for the whole week. Doesn't anybody do school anymore? Don't you? <laughs> no, I mean, I do, but it, I, it's senior year, so you got to kind of lay back a little bit. What about your sister? <laughs> what? It's seventh, it's seventh grade. I mean, it's, it's middle school. It doesn't really matter. No, it's, it's the schoolwork and writing work balance is something that's definitely tough. And I think it will be in college, but I'm going to plan on being a journalism major wherever I go. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't want to discourage you from doing from doing your yeah. homework, but I mean the the stuff that you're doing now is is gonna look better on a resume than than getting yeah, an A so. instead of an A minus. Don't <laughs> so. don't if I don't 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 major in journalism. Really? Yeah, yeah really. I mean, you don't learn you don't learn anything in a with the journalism major that you don't learn in the first six weeks of doing it and you've been doing it more than six weeks you will learn nothing you the only thing you need to go to a journalism major for is to learn uh journalism law and you can just get a good book for that so go major in like poli sci or business or stats or something better don't do it you've, you're ahead of it you're, you should be teaching no that's a i'm not just thing. i'm not i'm not just flattering you because you're a guest you should mm -hmm. you should genuinely actually be teaching a course not not going to not at all. I mean, it's, it, the scary thing for me is I'm trying to learn this all on the fly. So, I mean, with no journalism training before taking it second half of last year, I'm trying to break all these stories and learn how anonymous sources work. And I wrote kind of a controversial article about ACEs and the biogenesis tie with, with all that stuff. And, you know, there, I am kind of going into it blind in terms of the legal issues you could possibly have and all the ethics and all that kind of stuff. So I, I definitely need a base of where I can really you know, learn all the tricks of the trade. And it's good because I get to apply it practically all the time, too. So, what was the response to the ACES piece? It was, I mean, difficult because I had to quote 
like ten anonymous agents who yeah. you know I'm willing to I'm willing to talk about aces, but you just can't attach my name to it. So there's going to be doubt based on that. Or I mean, obviously, and you know it's tough because I don't want to tick off anyone in the industry now. So I mean, I don't know if aces necessarily read that article or not, but you know if they did, then they. You know, I don't know if how willing they'll be to give me information in the future. So it, it's going to be it's a fine line between trying to figure out, you know, how to advance that one day of page views on the site, or you know, advance long term relationships in the career. And you have been uh, credentialed for some things recently. It looks like I saw you you tweeted something from a press box somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, the Red Sox. Where I'm, half an hour from Boston. So they're extremely tough uh, about who they give press credentials to. They don't Mm -hmm. let standalone uh, websites unless you're a baseball writers association. So I was able to cover a game in Baltimore and I've been able to cover events like the Saber seminar, which you spoke at a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so just those kind of events have been good. It's just, it's tough. And I'm huge media market here where they have to be selective of who they let into the press box. But hopefully in the next couple of years, I'll have an internship with a credentialed outlet and I'll be able to get in the clubhouse and the locker room and that kind of thing. So is that, is that kind of the, the way that you can take the next step and acquire more sources? Cause I mean, the, the guys that we've right. been talking about are people who kind of started out on a local beat, usually mm-hmm. like Heyman and only and spent a couple yeah. decades covering a team day in and day out and building up sources mm-hmm. that way and then kind of went national. So I guess you have kind of gone national first and now you're, and then now you'll try to. Yeah. I mean, that, it's, tough to determine where I, I go from here. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I, um, really enjoy covering everything because I'm kind of a control freak. So I don't like, I wouldn't like being, you know, tied down to one team and having this contact list where I could, you know, I feel like the, some of the guys who are the really good beat reporters definitely have contacts where they could get stories about other teams. They just elect not to. And I feel like I, I would want to cover everything. So, Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing for MLB Daily Dish, and we keep trying to grow that brand. And I mean, when my uh, boss and kind of mentor Justin Bopp brought me on a few months ago, and when he he was telling me that when he first started the site, we were at or he was at about 3,000 page views a day, and over the summer we hit consistently we hit over 80,000, and then a couple of days over 100,000, which you know speaks to the work that me and June Lee and Justin are all doing. It's been really cool to see that site grow and try to establish SB Nation as not just a fan blogging site anymore and more of a newsy kind of, you know, basic mm-hmm. or normal journalism kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you mentioned giving your, your six-year-old press conferences. Um, how, how early on did you pinpoint this uh, as the career path? I mean, was it was it you wanted to you wanted to do something in baseball and then gradually it came to be this or was it kind of always this? I mean, I always wanted to grow up to be Theo Epstein. That was my goal, uh-huh. and when I was little, and you I are cut- so young. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who Theo Epstein was until I was like twenty six. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that was when I was six, seven. It's it's all about. I mean, I grew up and. I think one of the golden ages of baseball any city has ever seen. So, I mean, mm-hmm. my childhood memories of watching baseball, my first game was Derek Lowe's no-hitter at Fenway. And then the next year, you have the whole cowboy up 
2003 Red Sox Yankees ALCS thing. And then by the time I'm nine, I'm watching the first World Series, the curse reversed, uh, 04 down, beating the Yankees, and then another World Series by 07. So, I mean, I've seen in before I turned 15 in Boston, I saw two World Series championships, three Super Bowls, an NBA championship, and a Stanley Cup. And so at that point, you you fall in love with the idea of sports and the passion behind it. And there's nothing more exciting than the playoffs. And you have that every year in every sport here. And so I definitely wanted to do something within sports. And then I was always told, you know, that I was a strong writer. And so being able to kind of pair those two things together, kind of develop first into the hobby and now hopefully into the career. So are you uh, are you interested in kind of injecting your opinion into reports as well and kind of becoming a, a hybrid, you know, columnist reporter, or are you kind of more interested in, in straight news? It's tricky because, you know, there's a line between I want to reveal personal voice and show some personality and work, but mm-hmm. if you reveal opinion, then you can't always, you know, not everybody is going to be happy with your work, and that could ruin connections and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I see that you'll see, you know, I mean, I tweeted something like, Ryan Braun got what he deserved in the suspension and back when he was suspended he got what he deserved and Mm -hmm. maybe um, MLB should have even been harsher he got what he deserved he was a liar I tweeted something like that and I immediately noticed my following count go down so I checked (laughs) I I checked on the unfollower app who unfollowed and it was a couple of players who had been in steroid trouble in the past Uh you know so it's it's tough because I and they have served as sources on their signings before. So, mm. you know, it's tough because I don't want to offend anyone. But so I think the straight news thing is the safest place for me to go right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a distinctive look? Do you have a bow tie or do you have? No, I have nothing like that so far. No, I mean, I'm still working on it. OK, you need to work on that. Maybe a laid back kind of hooded sweatshirt kind of thing would be good. <laughs> Um, okay, so you've, I think you've made everyone who's listening to this miserable, probably. Um, <laughs> we, we get the, the how do you work in baseball question all the time, usually uh-huh. from people older than you. Um, so <laughs> what, would, what would your response be to that then after kind of a, an exciting couple of years where you've really, you've become part of the industry after, after being an outsider? How would you... How would you advise people younger than you or older than you to to go about it? Is there one one key? I don't know if there's a, a certain key. I mean, just utilize social media as much as possible. I mean, when there's, I mean, 50 years ago, the type. It's amazing how journalism has evolved. Has evolved. I mean, even in the couple years that I've been kind of looking at it and being a part of it, so I can't even imagine what over the last few decades it's been like. But now. Everybody has a voice, and so I think that's important for everybody to know. Everybody has a voice where they can say what they want. They can say their opinions. They can talk to – you can talk to your favorite player if, if they have a Twitter account. You know, it's it's amazing what social media has done. So getting into baseball, you can establish connections easily through social media. And, I mean, if you just – if you love the game enough, then there will be a place for you, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Sam, you have anything else? Uh, no. Okay, then I guess we're done. Uh, this was great. It is kind of an incredible story. Uh, after hearing the Thank details, you. I am I am even more impressed than I was before. Uh, you, you can read uh, Chris's work at mlbdailydish.com. You can follow him at Chris Cotillo, which is C-H-R-I-S-C-O-T-I-L-L-O. 
keep up keep up the great work i guess and this right, thanks man this is uh the first of what i'm sure will be many many interviews in your future and i think it went perfectly fine um, thank you i appreciate it all right so that's our first show of the week uh we do need some emails for our wednesday email show for tomorrow so send us some at podcast at baseballprospectus.com and we will be back <laughs>